So you are in Biblical Soul Care Sunday School. Um, we are in, in our <coughs> series on the fruit of the Spirit, and we, are, we find ourselves in faithfulness this morning. Now, this will be a, the first of, of what is likely to be a two-part uh, series here. <coughs> but <coughs> for our introduction, uh, what comes to your mind when you hear faithfulness? What are some things that you think about? <laughs> yes, okay. When I was a kid, he was there all the time. Now, yeah, so you kind of touched on it there. So why, why do you think about your dog, Mark? Because he was there all the time. Reliable. Reliable, okay. Trustworthy. Trustworthy, okay. Persevering. Okay. Anything else? What about unfaithful? Comes to mind. <laughs> he said a cat. A cat. <laughs> a cat. Okay. I need to get my mind. I need to get my mind back. Okay. Hey, that's that's good. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if Mark's more of a dog or a cat. Or Okay. Sorry. What else? Unreliable. Not here. I think of unfaithfulness in relationships, adultery. That's probably the the number one way we hear about it uh, in discussions is is in the context of marriage and unfaithfulness being adultery. What happens to make what leads a person to be unfaithful? Selfishness. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Discontentment. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Not fully devoted. There's there's a lack of integrity, right? There's there's a lack of um, we made a commitment, you know, and we weren't fully committed to that person or that thing, uh, and there's just a disconnectedness. So what do we mean when we say God is faithful? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If God says it, He's going to do it. Covenant mm-hmm. He keeps His covenants. He keeps His promises. He never lies. He never hides behind you know, deceit. So, what are the implications of God's faithfulness? We um, seek His will. He, we pray, pray for His kindness mm-hmm. and His will for our lives. Mm-hmm. So. Somebody else want to say? He is trustworthy. Yeah. So we can have confidence in what He says and His promises. <coughs> He's with you and, and working for your good in mm-hmm. all circumstances. Mm-hmm. Miles said he, he's with you he's doing, working for your good in all circumstances he never, never leave you or protect you yeah, the only way or the only reason that any of, of God's word any of the promises of God's word are comforting is if God is faithful mm-hmm. if he's not faithful then all of the promises in the world don't mean anything Right? If, if he's going to change his mind, if he's not fully committed to doing what he said he would do. And so, uh, that's, I mean, you're all giving all the right answers. This is, those are the, the themes that are going to be woven in and out of our discussion this morning. God always does what he says he will do. He is 
fully and completely committed to truth. So we're going to define today uh, the faithfulness as Paul uses it here in Galatians 5.22. And we're going to consider what it means to be faithful and how to grow in this fruit of the Spirit. Um, as you guys have already kind of hinted at and mentioned, God is faithful. Uh, so first thing we're going to do is we're going to define faithfulness and see how Scripture describes God as a faithful God. And we're going to see God's faithfulness. And as we see God's faithfulness, we'll, we'll get a better understanding of how we can know and be like, like our Heavenly Father. So there's several shades of meaning, uh, uh, different ways that faithful uh, faithfulness is used. That The word is um, that one right there, pistis or pistis or however you say that in Greek. But um, there's different shades and it refers to different things. Um, it can refer to the saving faith that we have. Um, that word faith is a translation of that Greek word. Um, it can be uh, confidence in someone or something. Like, I have faith in Christ, or faith in God. Uh, it can be a set of beliefs. So Paul talks about uh, being ready to defend the faith, or to stand fast in the faith. And then today, what we're really talking about, what Paul's talking about in Galatians 5.22, is the faithfulness or the reliability of a person. Okay. How trustworthy are they? How um, committed are they to what they say? And what they say they believe. So we're supposed to be, if we have the Spirit in us, people who are devoted uh, to the truth, who are reliable and trustworthy and consistent. So why is faithfulness an important quality for us to have as Christians? Yeah, yeah. We represent Christ, and as His representatives here on earth, we are to reflect His character. And He is faithful, so we should be faithful. Yeah. What else? If we can't be trusted with the small things, then we can't be trusted with the big things, or rely upon that hurts our testimony. If we are unreliable in the way that we live. The way that we speak, we say something and we don't do it. We say we're going to be somewhere and we don't show up. Or we say we live one way and we don't. If, we, if our life doesn't match up with what we say, then we are, it hurts our witness. Right? Anything else? It's something that's interesting. I... Um, in the news, there's been the, I've already forgotten his name, but he's the big um, cryptocurrency guy that's on trial and was just convicted of all of the, um, the fraud and things. And, and uh, um, I think it was on the briefing, and uh, Albert Moeller talked about how there's, there's such a, just a disconnect in our culture between um, what we say is good and right and virtuous and then what we actually do. Because this, this, um, this gentleman was gives tons of money to like his his causes uh, the social causes that he he champions and there is such a disconnect between me giving money for justice and righteousness and but I'm defrauding billions of dollars at the same time there there is a interesting disconnect and and it seems to be pretty common we can say that we are all about, you know, helping the poor and doing, um, the, helping the environment as I fly my private jet to the conference where we talk about, the, you know, the, there's a lot of just like disconnected um, things. When we have um, that kind of lack of connected, uh, lack of faithfulness to what we say we believe, there's all kinds of room for hypocrisy and for uh, it's the lack, like we said, lack of integrity. And so God, there is no lack of integrity in God. There's no like inner struggle, you know, between what he says and what he wants to do. With, there's no inconsistency in him. So as his people, 
when we say, you know, we love the Lord, we are fighting against rivals to our affection for him. And if we don't, we, we become these kind of sectioned off. We have this mode, and I'm, I'm kind of bad about this. When I, when I go to work, I, I, I don't think about other things a lot of times. About, and I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily, but I can be so um, just compartmentalized in my mind. And if I don't have this quality, this fruit of the spirit of faithfulness, I can be different in different areas of my life. I can treat people horribly at work and then at home or at church, I treat people well. Okay? I can act one way if I am disconnected and there's a lack of faithfulness to what I claim to believe, what I profess to believe, and what I actually do. I've been thinking about this in leadership as well, for just personally, how as a leader, in whatever capacity you lead, um, I'm coming to the realization that leadership is a lifestyle. It's like a whole, you cannot be, and I cannot be a good leader if I am a leader for 80% of my day. I can't be a leader at my job and then here at church and then at home I'm a leader for sometimes and then I like just want to sit back though and not really <laughs> serve and lead my family. And there's there are contexts that I think is just, Maybe, maybe it's just in my own life. I'm just seeing like these little pockets of, oh, I'm, in, I'm being inconsistent. And that is dangerous. So God, though, is not like that. God is completely and wholly faithful. So let's look at Deuteronomy 7. This is, I had to fight the temptation. I was just going to read like, Chapter 7, 8, and 9 of Deuteronomy it just gives it's a great picture of the faithfulness of God and how Israel is not faithful. Um, but in Deuteronomy 7, 9, we read, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. So here we see God is described as the faithful God. What does God do that demonstrates faithfulness there? Keeps his covenant. Somebody mentioned that, yeah. Yeah. He keeps his covenant. When he makes a covenant, he will never break it. Is that steadfast love? Is that loving kindness? Yes, also with Covenant term yeah. Keeping love. Yeah, and his his steadfast love, that that steadfastness, is because he's faithful. There is a steadfastness to to being faithful. You you have, you do it all the time, continually, forever. God is forever keeping his covenant, keeping his word. He shows steadfast love to those who love him. Remember, this is, I mean, Deuteronomy, the context of Deuteronomy is, this is their second crack at getting into the promised land. I mean, they tried to do it in, in Exodus, and then they got scared, and then they didn't obey, and then they had to wander for 40 years until that generation died off. So this is Moses, at the end of his life, he's like, hey, be faithful to God. Remember God's faithfulness. And remember when, you know what happened, when we were not faithful, and that's what he talks about through uh, chapter 7 and 8 and 9 is just remember how we were unfaithful. You, We are a stubborn people. We didn't believe God. We didn't trust Him. We complained in the wilderness. We didn't believe that He could take out and, and win the victories for us. And over and over again, Moses is reminding them, remember the faithfulness of God. He will do what He says He will do. So do your part of this covenant. Obey him. Don't have mercy. He talks about it through through these chapters. When you come into the land, God says, take them all out. Don't have mercy on these people. Don't have mercy on the nations. And they do. Like, don't intermarry. 
And they do. Don't worship their gods. And they do. Destroy all their stuff. Their idols, their temples. Burn it. And they don't. <laughs> so like over and over and over again, Israel fails to be faithful to God. So how, how are we like Israel? so quick to forget how God has been faithful in the past. Israel saw the people and they looked pretty impressive and strong. There's lots of them and they forgot that God just wrecked Egypt, which was the superpower. Right? They forgot that. Um, they got hungry. <laughs> We're going to starve to death. You know? They forgot how God had, for 40 years, you know, he had taken care of them, given them manna. We forget God's faithfulness. Then, fast forward 800 years, and we see Israel uh, is not keeping their end of the bargain, of the covenant. Uh, in the book of Lamentations, God is judging his people by sending Babylon to conquer Judah. Uh, circumstances were about as bad as you can imagine. <laughs> I mean, intense suffering, death, starvation, desperation. They were eating their children. Like, this is as bad as it can get in a siege. And then they were conquered, and they were carried off. It's horrible. And in Lamentations, you see Jeremiah. Just, I mean, the first two chapters are just... Horrific, horrific accounts of what's going on and, and he's admitting it that they deserved it. It's because of our wickedness and our sin. But then, in the middle of the suffering, we read these very well-known verses. Lamentations 3, 21 through 23. He says, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So, like, at first glance, you think, well, how is God being faithful as Israel is being slaughtered and carried off? The their city is destroyed, their capital is destroyed, the temple is destroyed, they're carrying off all of the um, all the utensils that were supposed to be holy for the Lord, for the service of his temple. How is God being faithful there? <clears throat> he did exactly what he said he would do. Right. I have a, a note there. Um, Invitation 2.17 The Lord has done what he purposed. He has carried out his word, which he commanded long ago. He has thrown down without pity. He has made the enemy rejoice over you and exalted the might of your foes. He told us he was going to do this. He's doing exactly what he said he would do. So how is God still faithful to Israel in, in this? And it kind of, there's a parallel to the discipline of God. Is it unfaithful? Is it bad for God to bring about the consequences of our sin? That he was part of his promise. There would be blessings if you obey and curses if you disobey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so is God then, he said, I, this is what's going to happen. He laid out the terms of the covenant. Israel said, yeah, we're going to do it. And they didn't do it. And they didn't do it, and they didn't do it. And for 800 plus years, God is patient. And then he brings Babylon in, and, and this is what happens. And 
when you think about the discipline of a father, and we read about this in, in Hebrews 12, right? God is faithful in the discipline. Right? He, he does the discipline because he's faithful. And I think it's easy for us um, to just chalk it up to, well, God's just, God's just mad at him, so he's just going to cast them off for a while. Say, oh, you have, you know, this, here's Babylon, and I'm going to punish you that way. And, but, and, and he, he does. He's, that is the punishment of God for violation of his, um, of his covenant. But what did God do with all the other nations when he punished their sin? Destroyed them. He destroyed them. They're not around anymore. So God's God is faithful to Israel, and and the punishment is an act of faithfulness. Not only because He said He was going to do it, which is absolutely true, but because He loves Israel. He decided to love Israel, and He is purifying them. He is wrenching them back to Him, to Himself. I know we're like talking about his faithfulness, but if he were to not discipline us, then he would not be just. Because he's a just God. And so he's said there are consequences and there is payment for what you have done. You know, you have to, there are consequences to your sin. And if he were to not follow through with that, he would also be doing a disservice. And he would not be the just God that he is. So his faithfulness, I mean, they're all tied together, but yeah, and, and faithfulness is so comforting because in his justice, he should have just killed them. Yeah. Right? That should have been the end of it. In his justice, he punishes sin. In his faithfulness, because he decided, he decided to love Israel, not because they were powerful or because they were better than the other nations, not because they were super awesome, less bad, he, he decided to love them because he wanted to. Because he is love. And he chose to. And he says that in, in a, in back in um, Deuteronomy. He says, I didn't choose you because you were greater in number. And I'm not using you to clear out the land because you're better than they are. I am faithful to my word. I chose Abraham. I made a covenant with him. And I am maintaining that covenant. And it, so there's not only that, but, the, I, but I've chosen to love you. And when God chooses to love a people, he's not going to cast them out. And that's a great comfort. Romans 3.3 says, What if some were unfaithful? Does their faithlessness nullify the faithfulness of God? Answer is no. God is always faithful. He's true to his word. He'll never let a single promise go unfulfilled. He sends difficult circumstances to us because he is faithful. We must not think that God is not faithful when things are hard or when we suffer. So we're going to look at these following verses here, and we're going to think about um, how God is faithful in good times as well as in trials and difficulty and suffering. So, same question through each of these verses. How is God demonstrating faithfulness? 1 Corinthians 10.13. We love this verse. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. How is God faithful here? Mm-hmm. He won't tempt me, right? Uh-huh. Well, we do. He will not tempt it because God doesn't tempt. But does he just take away all temptation from us? No. No. But Nancy said it. He gives us a way of escape. Every time, every single time we're tempted, there is a way of escape. God is faithful. He's faithful in the degree that he allows the temptation. He doesn't give 
He doesn't allow us to be tempted beyond what we're able to endure. He's faithful. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. What about there? in our sanctification what he started in what he started in us our salvation mm-hmm. he will see it to completion yeah we will be completely sanctified <laughs> in Christ at the, at the day of the Lord Jesus we will be blameless we'll kept, kept blameless in Christ he is faithful he will surely do it there is no doubt for the Christian that we will continue in sanctification and one day be completely Sanctified. Hebrews 10, 19-23 Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us, through, this, through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. How do we see God's faithfulness? to do enter the holy place because he has opened it for us through the curtain of Jesus yeah so we have access to the father we can enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus we don't have to wonder if that's no It's completely paid for. It's completely accomplished. There's nothing more we need to do or add. These verses just point out that, like the last one, he will do it. Mm-hmm. And this one is, he who promises faithful, he will do it. It doesn't rely on our imperfect abilities. He who promised is faithful. We have a great high priest over the house of God. Jesus is our high priest. And he's not like the old covenant priests who sin themselves, who have to offer multiple sacrifices, who are weak themselves. He is our perfect high priest. And he's faithful. Any others? Hebrews 12, 6 through 11. I referenced this earlier. The Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness for those who have been trained by it.
So he is faithful to discipline us when we sin. And also, just in the training of the word, that teaching and training of us, that's God being faithful to make us like Jesus. And then we have 1 John 1, 1.9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What is he faithful to do here? Every time. Every time. If we confess our sins, he is faithful every time. He will forgive. He will forgive and he will cleanse. My God is, God is so good. He let's say if I sin, he say, okay, I won't forgive you. Um go away. I don't want to deal with you no more. <coughs> He's already there. Like like what what um what's it? Hebrew or something. Hebrews comment um, he when we he disciplined his kids mm -hmm. so he he loved his kids. Mm -hmm. yeah. He loved his kids so he disciplined his kids. And and the author of Hebrews is arguing like if if you are not being disciplined <coughs> not that that would be bad. That yeah. would prove that you're not his son. No. Yeah, the the discipline is a sign of the love and faithfulness that God has for you and I. So before we go to the next point, what are some of your favorite promises in scripture? My my favorite my my favorite is he never leave us or forsake us. Mm -hmm. So he's already there when we are down. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. That we find that in Deuteronomy thirty one six. He'll never leave you or forsake you. We see in Psalm twenty three, he even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil for you are with me. So God's presence with us, especially in, in times of trouble and fear and anxiety and difficulty, God's presence is with us. He is faithful. So his faithfulness gives us confidence in that promise. What are some other promises of Scripture to you? So others. John sixteen thirty three. And in this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I've overcome the world. He has overcome the world. Jesus wins, and He's going to make everything right. Never changes. He never changes. <coughs> Psalm 73, 23 and 24. He's always with me. He holds me by my right hand. He guides me with his counsel and afterward he will take me up to glory. Mm -hmm. He will hold me. I'm going to heaven. Mm -hmm. My favorite is you will finish the work of the sanctification in mm -hmm. that Thessalonians verse and also Philippians 1 6. He's going to complete. Mm -hmm. He has begun a good work and you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. <coughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. I love John 6. No one can take me out of his hand. Yeah. Psalm 25, 10 a lot too. The, all the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimony. Mm -hmm. 
Nothing's wasted, nothing's random. Even the suffering. My, it is a great highlight when he said that um, when we are saved, we are sealed. Mm-hmm. He never leaves us. Mm-hmm. So we are his forever. So, like, some people say we lose our salvation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. God is faithful. If he chooses you, if he saves you, he he will keep you. Mm -hmm. He seals you. I think of uh, 1 Peter 1, um, starting in 3, Blessed be the God and... Uh, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So we have an inheritance coming, and he's faithful, he will keep it. It's kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. And then in verse 6, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. If necessary. And so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So the, the trials and the suffering is necessary, and it's doing something good in us. It's testing our faith. Others? I kind of like to rehearse back to the Lord, Romans 8, 32, or Isaiah 41, 10, when I'm really not thinking rightly or struggling. <clears throat> and what are some, like, Romans so Romans 8, 32, the love of Christ, right? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how would he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And then, yeah, then Isaiah 41 10 is the fear not, I'm with you, be not dismayed, I'm your God, I will help you afford you with the right to right hand. That's not all of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then later in, in the Romans 8 is the who can separate us from the love of God in Christ. There's just great promises. I mean, think of Romans 6, like, I don't have to keep sinning, I've died with Christ. I've died to sin. I'm alive to righteousness. I'm no longer a slave in bondage to my sin. I'm a slave of righteousness. I do not have to give in to temptation. That's a promise. Jesus is our advocate. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. First John. We already read First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. The promise of a new nature. In Christ, we're a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. If God is not faithful, none of those things are meaningful. None of those things are reliable if God is not faithful. I feel like every every time we teach on a new topic is like this is the most important thing about God or us. Yeah. And it so but it feels like this is the most important thing. If God isn't faithful, like what we don't have any any confidence. No sure fitting. We are condemned to a, a lifetime of just hoping we do enough to appease him and try to stay off of his bad side and do this many good works and try to outweigh the bad things. And But God is faithful. He, he gives us these promises and we can trust him. And there's, I mean, there's countless other promises that we could talk about. We could spend the rest of the time here this morning. Um, talking about just the promises that God gives us.
and how we can have 100% confidence, full assurance. It is guaranteed. God will do it. Any other comments or examples? I think the one that stands out for me is, is when Christ says, Behold, uh, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, uh, I will come again, and where I am, you may be like me also. Mm -hmm. I will come and get you. I will be with you. Think about the Great Commission. I am with you always, always, all the time, to the end of the age. God makes an awful lot of I will statements throughout Scripture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And who will receive the glory for all of this? God. Yeah, and we'll spend eternity worshiping him without sin, magnifying and praising his faithfulness to a people who do not deserve it. Deserve nothing but his wrath. We deserved his justice. And he is faithful to us. It's amazing. So now we'll transition to point number three, which is faithfulness in God's people. So we're going to turn our attention to our lives and character. In the following scriptures, we want to see um, what, how God wants us, or how he expects us to um, exhibit faithfulness. Look at Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Seems like when I've read this before, I've skipped over the faithfulness part. It's, it seems like I've, I've paid more attention to hey, justice and mercy <coughs> and faithfulness. What is Jesus saying about the character of the scribes and Pharisees? Teaching one thing, and you're not doing it. Hypocrites. This would be interesting to see their faces when he started on these these woes. It, it kind of is similar to you know that that terrifying passage when Jesus says, "Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't I cast out demons and do miracles? Didn't I do all of these things, Lord?" And he will say. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I never knew you. Like the shock that will, I imagine, be on their faces when they hear that because they think, I am good. I'm a Christian. I do Christian things. I speak Christianese. I do all of the Christian things and talk about Jesus sometimes. And I put a cross on my profile picture and I do the, like, I, all of this stuff, Jesus, I, I did it. And these Pharisees, I mean, talk about a shocking confrontation here. They thought they were the cream of the crop. How could God not be pleased with them? And here Jesus is calling them hypocrites. You say one thing and you don't do it. You're tithing mint and dill and herbs and things but you're neglecting justice and mercy and faithfulness. You must be faithful. He's expecting faithfulness. Matthew 25, 21. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And then another one, Luke 16, 10 through 12. 
one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? What does faithfulness look like in those two texts? Faithfulness is over a long term. That's a good, good point. Anything else? Our heavenly rewards can be tied to our faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's pretty convicting, too, when I think about um, faithful in very little things that are by my definition, insignificant are not insignificant to God. My roles and responsibilities or the, the money that he gives me, the relationships and the people that he puts in my life, the talents that he gives me, the abilities, the access to all, I mean, I mean, I've got a Bible, I've got, I've got a dozen Bibles at my house. I've got all kinds of software and internet where I can access teaching about him. There is no excuse for me wasting time and money and opportunities. The faithful servant doesn't waste them. And not even the very little things. How can we be faithful with wealth? Keeping in mind, keeping in mind that it came from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We are stewards. We're servants entrusted with a degree or an amount of wealth. So remember that's very important. This is not my money to do with what I please and to build my kingdom. I think in a consumer culture, it's easy just to take all your wealth and just use it on you and your family. There's the, the temptation for to just to keep it, keep it in here. I might need it someday, right? Think about retirement. Think about, you know, unexpected expenses. And those are all things that we should be wise in planning for. But we were just reading uh, last night. We had our, our little children's rhyme Bible, and it was the story of the uh, the parable Jesus told, where the the man had barns filled, and he was going to tear them down and build bigger barns. And then he died that night, thinking, I've got plenty of goods stored up. And he was a fool. He was hoarding all of this stuff for himself. He wasn't giving it to the Lord. He wasn't generous. He wasn't a giver. And Jen's touched on this a little bit ago. The motivation Jesus gives for being faithful in money is the eternal rewards. There's going to be rewards that that the faithful servants get. Wait, 1 Corinthians 4.2. Um, Paul's just speaking of himself here and, and talking about uh, the leaders of uh, the apostles, right? He says, moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. This is and that extends to all of us. We are all stewards of what God has 
entrusted to us. It is required of stewards to be found faithful. I just thought it was interesting, uh, this next verse. Say to Archivus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. And I read a couple of commentaries on that, and I'm just like, what, what is that about? Um, we don't really know exactly what his ministry was. That Paul is telling the, the Colossian church to remind him to fulfill the ministry God called him to. Um, it could be, though, some of the commentators uh, are saying, it, it could be that he was not being faithful to do what, <coughs> what Paul had told him to do, what the church had told him to do. Um, and I just, I, that kind of stuck out as I was thinking about faithfulness. Like, Archippus was in danger of, maybe he's starting to be unfaithful, and Paul wanting him to remember that his, his calling, what God has called you to, is the good thing. It is the right thing. And in, in our, when we start to be unfaithful, why is this? And then we kind of have that question at the beginning of the class is, <clears throat> why do people start to get unfaithful? Is we forget and we stop thinking about what is best for us in terms of what God says is best for us is to obey Him, to walk with Him, to know Him. And that is the greatest joy. And it's the greatest peace that is possible. But when we waffle on that, is because we think, well, this over here would be pretty fun. Like, this would be good for me. There's joy to be had in this thing. And so, I mean, do I, do I have to be faithful all the time to do that? <clears throat> and I've noticed that there's, there's times when, um, when I'm lacking joy in serving the Lord, and it's, it's because I'm starting to think about, well, this would be really, this would give me some joy here. I just had that. And I, I just thought of Archippus and like, I, I wonder what he, what happened, how he took that. Did he did he repent of his unfaithfulness and like started to fulfill his ministry? I hope I hope so. But I just found that to be it's kind of a, a random, interesting it's not random because God sovereignly put it there, but it is an interesting verse as I was thinking about faithfulness. So we're going to stop there because we're out of time. We have next week, we have a little bit on this handout, but we'll try to get a little bit more, um, answer the question, how do you and I develop faithfulness in our character? So that's what we'll talk about next week. Have a great Sunday.